Blog Talk Radio. Show. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. We'll be reading out of the Zohar, Volume 12, Portion Tetzava, uh, Chapter 10 and Verse 86. And we'll also be reading about three or four uh, scriptures out of the Bible. Uh, listen, just wanted to update you on a couple of things. If you have any questions or comments on the show, and I do get some regularly, I really appreciate it. You can always contact me at Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Again, that's Dave at RestoringGrace.com. There's a website, www.RestoringGrace.com. And for you um, iPod users, if you go to your iTunes and go to Podcasts and either look for David Fournier or Restoring Grace, um, all of our Blog Talk Radio shows are migrated over to uh, Podcasts as well. So today we want to talk about Out of the Darkness. Darkness is simply the absence of light. Now this may sound like a rather easy concept to understand, something that we can get our arms around very easily, but we also want to step back and realize that there's a lot of discussion in the scriptures about this concept of, uh, of darkness and light. Some of our greatest victories, some of our deepest transformations that occur in our lives occur when we're overcoming darkness. And it's strange to me that we work so very hard to pretend we didn't go through the process, that we've never had darkness in our life, that uh, dark things or bad things don't happen uh, to us, they happen to somebody else. And most of the time in our churches and in our spiritual teachings and our Bible studies, when the idea of darkness comes up, it comes up as some kind of overcoming, some kind of vague sense of darkness, some kind of mysterious opponent, some kind of a global entity that we're being attacked by and that we're overcoming this large one. It doesn't really seem to be talking about bringing light into our own situations and how we live our own lives. And I will go back and say this again. I've said this on the last couple of broadcasts. I think it's extremely significant that our Christian testimony goes back to about what God has done in our individual lives, not how unhappy we think he is with how everyone else is living their life. The concept of light and darkness, it runs through the entire scriptures, and I don't have uh, as much time as I would like to go through them, but I wanted to consider a few examples of many possible, a couple that are, you would know really well, and some that will kind of cheer up for the first time. Let's read in Genesis 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface, surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. So in the very beginning, and the very first time that we're introduced to light and darkness comes up within the very first three verses of the canon of Scripture. Darkness is present first, or formed first, and what it's the result of is voidness and no form. It's the result of things that are not organized, not put into their place. Now light becomes the separation between itself and darkness. Light becomes a separation between itself and darkness. And this is a very key concept because we need to understand that when there's darkness, there's no light. And when there's light, there's no darkness. I want you to think about this for a minute. As you're walking into a dark room and you turn on the light, what happens to the darkness? 
It doesn't leave. It doesn't go anywhere. It's overwhelmed or overcome by the light. It disappears, and light is now present. And probably the most interesting part of this is that God never says the darkness is good, but he does say that he sees the light that he's created, and the light is good. Let's move forward now to Isaiah chapter, chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. Here's some very popular uh, text for us to look at. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. We're in a chapter that is talking about the birth and the reign of the Prince of Peace. For many people, this relates directly to a prophecy of Messiah or the prophecy of Jesus. So in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, we read... I'm in Ecclesiastes. That's why that didn't work out real well. Hang on, guys. Let me get to the right verse and make a lot more book and make a lot more sense. Here we go. Let me go ahead and start in verse number one. But there will be no more gloom for her, her who is in anguish. And in earlier times, is he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea and on the other side of the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles. Now, this is why a lot of people relate this particular passage directly to Jesus, because we find that he is in these areas, the Galilee. This is places that he walked. Verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will be shining on them. The birth and the reign of this Prince of Peace, however you see him, is the, is, begins with an illumination of light. People who are living in darkness will see this light. And the start of any transformation, please think of this. Please write this down. Please remember that I said this. The start of any transformation that occurs in our life spiritually occurs by light in our life. It's not by a conversion experience. It's not by saying a prayer. It is connecting directly to the light of the Creator, connecting directly to God, and allowing His light to shine in the areas. Now, remember, Jesus Himself says, we won't go to the, have a lot of time for this verse, but Jesus says men prefer darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. There are corners of our soul. There are places in our life that we don't want people to know what we think or how we behave. And those are areas that we intentionally keep dark. Well, that area will never possess light because we're restricting the light from getting to, to that part. We're letting our ego make that decision. Maybe a little bit more on that later. If we flip forward now to the New Testament documents, we get to the uh, book of Luke. And we're looking at Luke chapter 1. By the way, the longest chapter in the Old Testament scriptures is Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 2 is no small one either. But in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, Zacharias is making a prophecy about the Messiah. And he says this. It is him who will go as a forerunner before the, you know what? We're going to scratch that one. I got that one wrong. Hang on a second. Here it is. You know what? Let's move on. And then we'll move forward to Acts chapter 26, 18. I'm sorry about that, folks. I didn't double check my notes and. For those of you that are getting into ministry, and make sure you always double-check your notes. I'll have to look that verse up and see what I got wrong about it. And Acts chapter 26, verse number 18. Here's a powerful conversation that's occurring. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is defending himself before King Agrippa. And he said this in 26, 18, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from 
dominion of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness and sins and inheritance amongst those who have been sanctified by faith in me. The vision of Paul concerning this mission that he says he's receiving um, to follow Jesus as his Messiah, he re- and he attributes these words directly to the mouth of Jesus, that's why they're read in your Bible, by the way, is to move from darkness to light to, is a transfer of a kingdom identity and a kingdom loyalty. So from the creation of the world to the prophecy of Messiah to Paul's understanding about his mission to the light and darkness are a very important concept. I want to read to you now verse 86 from the Zohar. The words of Torah become clear. Only when, only there, and the only light that it comes, it comes out of darkness. When this side is subdued, speaking of the darkness, the Holy One, blessed be he, rises, and his glory becomes greater. There is no service of the Holy One, blessed be he, except from out of darkness, and no good except from out of evil. When a person enters the evil way and he leaves it, the Holy One, blessed be he, rises in his glory. Therefore, overall, perfection is good and evil together and rising to the good afterwards. The only good is good that emerges from evil. And through this good, the glory of the Holy One, blessed be he, is elevated. This is perfect service. I'll be right back after this quick break. Looking for something different at your next retreat, Bible study, or weekend seminar? Restoring Grace could be the answer for you. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace, and we gladly support, encourage, and minister in many churches across the country. You can reach me at Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Again, that's Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Or you can call 719-233-6265. 719-233-6265 for your next upcoming event. By the way, I heard earlier was Luke chapter 1, verse 79. I apologize for that. Luke chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 79. To shine upon those who sit in darkness, to shine upon them, to illuminate them with light, is one of the prophecies that he has. Now, clarity and understanding. <clears throat> clarity and understanding happen during our times of transformation. To overcome our evil inclination, or clearing out our ego, if you please, is what brings God glory. <clears throat> Sometimes... Sometimes there is a, how would you say this, um, a resolution to resign from the idea that we can actually live righteously, that we can make good decisions. People fall back on the portion where it talks about the Apostle Paul where he says, oh, the things I would do, I don't do them, and the things that I, I don't want to do are the ones that I do. See, we're helpless. We can't figure it out. That's not true. We have ownership in every decision and every action that we make in our life, and we can do it. But bringing God glory is what we bring out of hard places, the tough decisions that we make. It's what we call, uh, and what the Kabbalists have taught, called the bread of shame. And what the bread of shame is, is when you get praise or honor for something you didn't work to accomplish. And this, it's when you get praise or honor for something you didn't work to accomplish. This, by the way, is a silent killer in our Christian faith. So I want you to consider a story with me as we get ready to close. Consider a kid who's a little league pitcher. He's going into like a championship game. He gets up that morning. He's all excited. He, his family brings him out to the ballpark. He warms up. He strikes out everybody in the first inning. He gets everybody in the second inning. He's almost pitching a no-hitter. At the end of seven innings, he's won the game, and his team is carrying him off on, on their shoulders, and they've won the championship. And so they go out for pizza afterwards because if you know anything about Little League, if you're in Little League, you have to get pizza. And all this is happening. And he's sitting there with his family and his friends, his grandparents that come out to see the game, and everything's happening. And he he notices his dad standing off in the corner talking on a cell phone, and he wants to have a moment to talk with his father. 
And so what he does is he, he goes over to his dad and he starts listening to his dad on the phone, talking to his phone call, and his dad is talking to his his brother. And his dad is telling his brother, he says, oh, everything went great. I paid off the coach. Um, I had it, you know, to have his guys lose the game. I had the grandpa bring extra people from work to fill the stands. It was worked out really great, and he doesn't know anything about it, and this is how it all worked out. What's the best possible outcome for this boy? To find out that everything that had been happening, everything he'd been working for, it turned out to be a total sham. That he hadn't actually worked for it. He actually hadn't won anything. Well, the best possible outcome is he didn't find out in the first place, and again, that's darkness to him. Your true service to God is not marching against our enemies, going to the polls to vote against things we think the Bible stands against, even though they do, even at times they will. True service to God, according to verse 86, is transforming the darkness in our own lives and turning it towards light. Because when we transfer, transform, when we do the hard work that it takes, we create stories of guidance and encouragement that other people can follow. We often forget where we started on our spiritual journeys, which is odd. Because most people are only a step or two away from their original starting place. We pretend that we were never in darkness in the first place. And that's a problem because guiding somebody out of the darkness into the light, it needs to be a guide from somebody who's actually been there and actually done it. Service, true service, perfected service to the Holy One comes through our acts of transformation. We focus so much on our acts that we do to please God. God's focus is what what we came through. I want you to think about this. But do you realize that many of the things we do in church, we could pay somebody to go do? But when you go through it, it changes you. When we see our darkness as our, instead of our, we see our darkness as our biggest drawback and our biggest hindrance, but in truth, it provides us with our greatest opportunities to transform. Overall perfection is good and evil working together with good rising afterwards. The only good the verse said, that is good, is what transforms evil out. God has many things that bring him glory out of their reactive nature. The sounds of nature, the thrill of nature, the different things that we see occurring in nature, all those things happen. He has these giant orchestra of praise that's happening out of their reactive nature. But the glory that elevates God, listen now, the glory that elevates God is what comes out of our proactive actions and our behavior. Because genuine spiritual connection breeds and causes general spiritual growth, genuine spiritual growth. Are the things you do for God things that you could pay somebody else to do? Or are you doing the hard work it takes to transform? My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Zohar in 15.